Hello, and welcome back to the JRB podcast with myself, Ryan Levine, joined here by Jeff Jones and Bowden Tendick. What's up? And uh, today, we're actually going to take a slightly different approach. We're going to have a bit more structure to the topics we're talking about, and hopefully that will mean I can get some pretty accurate timestamps in the description, so you will be able to just bounce around to the topics you're actually interested in (laughs) instead of just listening to us ramble for close to two hours about various (laughs) things that may or may not actually interest you. So um, we're going to go, it's still going to happen, I'm sure. But, um, you know, and also based on some of the feedback that we got from the previous episode, we are going to, uh, you know, adjust how we do things. But today we're going to talk about um, a, I guess, like current meta update, as in what we think the meta will look like uh, when Cyberstorm Access comes out next month. So it's very soon now. Um, and we're going to pretty much focus on uh, Pearly, I think. It's probably the like the most interesting one that's coming out that will be immediately relevant. Um, then well, we're gonna... I, well, I think it would be Pearly and then also the Super Heavy Samurai. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah that mm-hmm. as well. Then we're going to go over uh, some new some new stuff that just got revealed, uh, both in the, in the TCG and OCG. We're going to go over the Gold Prides, the new volcanics and um there were some more uh duelist nexus cards that that came out that we can talk about if any of them really piqued our interest well one um, of them made me really really mad so. <laughs> yeah was it the dark world one yeah <laughs> that I made me mad to too the dark world card yeah. and i said i'm going back to bed this yeah. <laughs> <fucking> <laughs> yeah. um then Awful. we're gonna go ahead and talk about uh the uh, master duel uh how we mentioned it briefly last time about tier just came out we wanted to give it a week now it's been a week, and they announced the next Master Duel Forbidden <laughs> Limited list, and they announced the format for Master Duel Worlds. So, got a lot there. Um, then we're gonna try a new thing. Uh, we don't have any yet because we haven't done this before, but we want to have a sort of like viewer questions thing. So uh, when we get to there, I'll just mention it, and then if you have any questions about stuff we talked about previously or a topic you'd want us to cover in the next week, I will say. This week, just leave a comment. Um, I'm going to try to have an email address maybe set up for next time. But for right now, I didn't do do that yet. So uh, just leave a comment if you have any questions or things. Um, Then we're going to do a follow-up on what we talked about last week, uh, which would be my experience at the My Hero Academia CCG event that I went to. And then for a little bit, depending on how much uh, time we've used, we are going to talk about actually not Yu-Gi-Oh! or card game stuff, um, just random stuff that we've been been doing. I want to talk about Mega Man Battle Network because that uh, those of you that know what, what that is, um, it's a series of Game Boy games that came out uh, you know 20 years ago and last week they just got a re-release collection and they're pretty beloved games by people that played them and I just want to talk about it a little bit because that's what I've been doing with my free time the last week or so <laughs> since that came out. So um, yeah, let's just jump right into um, the... Cybertron Access presumed TCG meta and what we think that is going to look like. Um, I haven't had a chance to play a whole lot of it yet. So I'm going well, to defer. We had a, we had a yeah, you just played the tournament, uh, right? Last weekend, yeah. Mm-hmm. So can you can so you go ahead and explain uh, that tournament and then what you played and uh, you know uh, what you think winner, it means? The winner got three cases um, of their choice, so Cyberstorm Access or equivalent. So it was an online um, event, and yeah? And second place, sorry? Mm-hmm. This was an yeah. online event? Yeah, online event. Yeah, so it was it was hosted by uh by a card store in New Zealand, 
and they went all out. Um, so I was surprised they didn't have more people enter. Everyone said it was, you know, very well run, uh, very streamlined. Uh, it might be contributed to the fact that it was only 100 people. Um, but for the crazy prizes, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if you host that in real life in North America, maybe you get a couple hundred people, like who knows. Um, but yeah, it was Cyberstorm Axis, current format. So we obviously still have Kashtira, still have all the other decks that are around. Um, and it was pretty good insight, I think, into seeing how the format would progress without a ban list, maybe going into YCS Philadelphia. Um, we still saw a lot of Kashtira. The representation for top eight, I believe, was uh, four or five Kashtira. Then we had a Mathmech. We had a Super Heavy Samurai, which eventually won. We had Pearly, which came second. Um, and maybe one other variable might might have been like, yeah, I don't know. It was either it was either four Kashtira or no, four Kashtira, one X deck that I don't remember, or five Kashtira. Sure. Um, which is to be expected, right? Like how many people have tested Cyberstorm access? Probably a good amount, but like how many of them, you know, sort of like tested with Kashtira in the format? Probably not that many. Might be anticipating a ban list or something. Um but yeah, like my my notes from the event were uh I think Pearly is definitely going to be like front runner uh for the format i think it's easy uh to, for like pick and play because it does one thing right but in a similar vein to other decks that function that way uh maybe like zodiac and stuff like that where it's like yeah your turn one you'll generally do the same thing a lot um but i think if you play correctly you get rewarded a lot more um, and that's what the Pearly decks seem like, like sequencing and like uh, end board management and all of that stuff seem very relevant. Um, yeah, the sequencing I, yeah, I for the order you play your quick play spells in is very important. Because mm. I think you can play that deck very like silly, right? Like that's most decks. Uh, you can just default to summon uh, the the giant uh, Pearly Xyz, the, the Noir, Noir, right? And yeah. then just like leave it. And hope it, you know, it gets you there. You put a bunch of materials on it, sure. You know, people say, oh yes, haha, like Clifford Towers, like, yes and no. In a format where there's Kaijus, there's Santa Claus, Dixie's Encore, Herald of the Abyss, and stuff like that, like, that can only get you so far. But if you maximize all of your cards efficiently, I think this deck is definitely a powerhouse. And it's definitely something that, uh, not, like, under the radar, but I don't think it was given enough respect in comparison to the Super Heavy Samurai, uh, more combo-centric strategy. Which obviously seems, uh, you know, on the surface, like, this has to be the better deck. It does more things. It can FTK. It can hand rip. It can do a lot of stuff. Um, and while it did win the tournament, I do think um, it was more of people not being as prepared for it. Um, you know, looking for hand traps that have double up overlap into, like, pearly and super heavy might be a thing going into Philadelphia format. So, um, we'll Wait, uh, sorry. So which deck won? Super heavy one or pearly one? Super heavy one. Super heavy one. Okay. Early okay. came second. Sure, sure. Yeah. Which, which, if I can just interject real quick, not knowing, I don't know the specifics of how both those decks function yet. I haven't really like sat there mm -hmm. and looked at it. But uh, just to touch on what you said, where like you think that Hurley's been kind of like underrated or maybe like not valued as highly as Super Heavy Samurai, and I will say that is, in my opinion, what tends to happen almost every time decks like this come out, right? Be mm -hmm. Because like it's a lot easier. Like uh, the example I can give is probably when like Tri Brigade uh, and like Drytron right before the first remote YCS where we had that last minute ban list that banned yeah, yeah. Trident is like a lot of people um, really were like, oh my God, Drytron well, is crazy, crazy combo deck. Right? Huh? Our, our group included. It yes, was, it yes. Was very yeah. yeah, we're very like, oh my God, Drytron, Drytron is definitely the best deck, like combo is so much better. And then you just saw, because like 
you saw Tri Brigade doing really well, like performing very, very well, much more consistently even than Drytron did. And and every time, even even like the casual people, when they were asked like, oh, what do you think they should, they should hit on the ban list? Nobody even wanted Tri Brigade hit on the ban list because everybody just said, well, I lose to it, but it feels fair oh, you know it's just it like does, it does the same thing well, yeah. every time yeah. it's, in, it's it's interactive whereas yeah it's meant to not be and that's something that we again we always see and we see it time and time again with, with also like like goki and mm. the problem that the reason why i never play those decks when they're popular is because when you go to a tournament and you play the mirror match you're yeah. then you're, it goes into like a heavy die roll thing whoever goes first in the combo mirror will almost always win outside of drawing heavy side deck cards game two and three and i refuse to do that so like the drytron mirror like whoever goes first probably gonna win goki mirror whoever goes first probably gonna win and it, when you can just play decks like Tri Brigade with like hand traps and heavy side deck for Drytron that are more consistent, I mean, then you not, it just seems like I the better think way to go. This is like a recent trend though, because we have seen, so, okay, my, my, my greatest example still has to be the WCQ format 2019. And then I guess to an extent, like 2018, right? Where people still didn't want to play Goki, they still didn't want to play the, the Thunder Dragon deck. Um, they they just wanted to play like this Salaman Great and this Sky Striker deck, and that was you know something we saw continue for like the longest time. And I feel like maybe post COVID, maybe post that 2019 season, we sort of saw people welcoming to more like combo strategies at the initial point. And maybe that's because like you know more of the content creators now are just people like Jesse who are putting out all of these like here's my combo deck. You know, there's more combo guides, there's more information for combo decks compared to before where it was like oh you freestyle it. And maybe it's more intimidating to uh, a lot of, you know, the people that aren't as as good at Yu-Gi-Oh! Um, whereas, like, a deck like Salamangre, it's like, well, here's a combo guide. Uh, summon summon guy, make Baylinx, Gazelle, Chainlink, too. Okay. <laughs> right? Like, that's yeah. that's sort of, like, where what we've come from. Few, fewer um, moving parts. Think, yeah. Just fewer yeah, fewer yeah. So, things can go wrong, normal summoning exactly, Gazelle. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. But I, I think I think the, the big thing uh, with a lot of those decks as well, and I'm sure Jeff can agree, because Jeff loved playing, like, Sky Striker. It's like, yeah, Sky Striker does, like, one thing. But if you play everything correctly, like the deck is a lot more rewarding than some of the combo decks That's, and doesn't get like as heavily yeah. targeted and can so, be like a like a big sort of thing in formats. Uh, and that, that might be like how you apply uh like pearly to the current format. It's like you could master say, the heavy that, that's why, Surprise, right? I'm a big fan of the pearly deck and I really like yeah, the pearly yeah. deck and very similar to Sky Striker where um I think when you play it really well, you'll be rewarded in the over a long tournament, I think mm. it will be rewarded very well. My, I think more, th I think more, less things can go wrong playing purely than something like the Super Heavy Samurai deck, which I have problems with because that deck also can play no spells, meaning mm. that <laughs> it, yeah, meaning that certain things happen like a floodgate and your deck just does not have an out to it then. <laughs> yeah, which... I, I think the, the, the main interesting thing with Super Heavy as well, or just like combo in general, is that you have to learn those decks and play correctly. But then you also have to have all of this playback into a good chunk of interaction. And a lot of it's more oppressive interaction than like, um, you know, maybe like something basic against Pearly, right? Where it's like, Pearly, you set up your board, they answer your board, you get all of this value back. Super Heavy is like, you set up your board, they answer your board, 
like what are you doing now like like a lot of a lot of nothing and if you like go for the ftk it's like well how heavy are they going to target it with certain hand traps as well so like, if you get shifted in pearly you can still maybe cling to hope and end on something that lets you do you know uh something on your opponent's turn super heavy is like a little bit more limited if you get like shifted if you get drawled and stuff like that so yeah um, i mean if you shift your opponent in pearly a lot of times what you end up doing is making a fucking huge zeus yeah, and and then your opponent has to play into the huge Zeus, and I don't think a lot of combo decks can play into like mm. a double Zeus or whatever. But yeah, that, that's, well, like, that's like my issue. It's more of like you have to you have to play properly with super heavy, and then you have to deal with all of like you know your opponent heavily targeting it. Whereas like Pearly is like your opponent will heavily target it, but uh, you might get carried by you know just being able to do basic stuff right through like most points of interaction, which I, I think is a little bit more valuable. And you don't have to learn as much of the Pearly deck to I think have. Uh, a high enough win percentage. That's why we've seen the pearly cards also just skyrocket, right? Like they're really expensive for ultra rares from a deck building set. Maybe that is crazy I to think, me how expensive those cards the, are. I think the new pearly stuff also helped that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because yeah, no, dualist no, 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 nexus. Like, we, we, saw, we saw this like really gradual progression. Like people knew it existed, and then it's like here's a video from Jesse. Here's this uh you know 10k tournament. It was featured on like Nesh's uh Twitch and stuff like that, right? And it's like pearly's being highlighted. People know it's a good deck. A lot of people are talking about it. Good players are talking about it. Um, even even like Max, right? Like Max is like buying Pearly Core, paying 85% <laughs> TCG, please. You know, like people know and people don't have these cards yet and they're going up and they're just going to keep going up, I think, until uh, people either realize, hey, like maybe this deck isn't all as cracked up to be, which I, I think is probably unlikely. I think this deck is really good or they reprint something or there's a ban list. So so my my thoughts on a lot, I guess, of what has been said, um, I agree with, I'm going to say like 90%, almost verbatim of what, of what you said. And my disagreement is actually mainly just going to be to add on, not even to contradict, is mm. like, is like um, I think the appeal of a lot of these decks, uh, you know, we mentioned Salamangre and Sky Striker, and now probably Pearly probably falls under that umbrella, similar to like... Uh, maybe not original zodiac but maybe the same umbrella that like you know uh the 2020 zodiac fell under when like zeus came out of like the the actual interactions of your deck are not complicated so on a surface level it seems like an easier deck to play because you're not memorizing or you're not you know having to figure out these long intricate like you know combo strings and then i think a lot of these decks tend to maybe fall off towards the end of the format when the combo decks get more and more refined and then these less intricate decks that rely exclusively on player skill, um, you get less room to really take advantage of your opponent's mistakes when the format goes on longer mm. and people get your, your, better your and better at the combo decks. Gets, yeah, it turns into more like uh, like ignorant cards, right? Mm -hmm. Like. To, to handle certain mirror matches and stuff like that it's like how many times are you just going to play a game and just like start trading off it's like people start looking for uh like random blowouts and like mirror matches and stuff like that and then it just turns into another die throw game right yeah and 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 that's that's unfortunately where i think Yu-Gi-Oh! like ends up fairly often which is why i like when formats change because at the beginning of a format, when we don't know exactly what cards are really silver bullets against certain decks, I think like the first two events of every format, I think are very like everyone plays interesting decks and everyone plays like cool cards. And the people that are able to identify how these decks are meant to play more quickly will do better. And then as the format goes on, sometimes it can really feel like, oh, well, 
this deck is just too good now. The only way to beat it is to just play these blowout cards and then just hope you draw them and then just no one has fun, <laughs> you know? And I, well, I definitely don't... Progression, you know? Like the Mystic Mind stuff, Lost Nets. Yes, well. absolutely. Like Hogford, and Mystic Mind is just like, oh, pe people look at Mystic Mind and they're like, that's good against Despio. And yeah. like, it's just, oh, we'll just put Mystic Mind. It's like, oh, we'll put Rivalry. So you have like all of these like really heavy, like hate decks, you know? Even Marine says it, it really only got a... Uh, a good chunk of play at that WCQ. And it's like, well, Marine Sass, Gozen, Flood, Shaw. Like, and you have yeah. like all these other built-in interactions, which I think are really funny. But that, that's, again, like you said, natural progression of a format, especially in modern Yu-Gi-Oh! I think is, uh, it's like the big downside. We'll never see something cool like, um, maybe like the Zodiac progression where it was more deck choice, right? Mm -hmm. You saw like bounce, uh, back and forth, like True Draco, uh, Zoo, Paleozoic, and like all of those things sort of like having their time to shine in that format and it was more dictated by like how people would build pure zoo. Um, and then you had like true Draco zoo and stuff like that. And people just like metagaming. I thought that was like a really interesting uh, pocket of the format. Maybe I'm, maybe there's a more recent one that I'm neglecting, but that was the one that stood out to me uh, more than anything. Yeah. And then the last thing I kind of want to mention as far as like, this is not relevant for Cybertron access and not relevant for uh, YCS Philly or the other Latin American YCS. Uh, the location escapes me. Um, uh, that's before Santiago, Chile, Santiago. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. this is not relevant for those events, uh, for those events, uh, Cybertron access will be the only new product I believe that comes out. But I do want to briefly for like, you know, one or two minutes, talk about, um, vanquish soul in that we talked about them a lot, not the last one, but the one before that. And I, you know, mentioned I was very excited about it and I am still kind of excited about it in that, um, I do think that deck has potential to be good in our WCQ season and with a big, big, big asterisk of, one reason why that deck is fairly consistent in uh, Japan or in the OCG is because uh, how that deck works is you very often need to have multiple attributes in your hand to reveal, and the ones you need are Dark, Fire, and Earth. And Fire is covered by Ash very well, and of course the monsters in archetype are those attributes. And in the OCG, Maxi is the de facto Earth monster that every deck is playing that you can just reveal and get all of your effects. And we definitely lack that. So big, big, big asterisk, in my opinion, from what I've seen or from what I've thought about from this deck, I think the way we could fill that void is if Fenrir remains at three in the TCG, then I think Fenrir would be very, very good in that deck. Um, it gives you board presence and it also serves another copy of itself just so you have Earths to reveal. So you always have an Earth monster to reveal. And if Fenrir does end up getting hit, which is possible, you know, very, very possible. I think everybody agrees that Kashira will be hit in some way before the WCQ season. Um, so it just depends if it's Fenrir or not, or if we have, you know, even if we have two Fenrirs randomly, I would still probably play two Fenrirs in a Vanquished Soul deck and maybe even planet just so you always have your uh earth monsters but that is a deck that i'm also looking forward to as sort of one of those uh you know mid-rangey type decks and based on how it gets rewarded from playing different attributes you know if pearly gets really popular you can play earth kaiju you know or fire kaiju or whatever attribute you, you need and then if super heavy samurai is a lot more popular then you can just play more hand traps in the attributes that you need or you know just more hand traps in general because the engine is not that big so that's another deck that I am definitely going to be on my radar. Uh, and it's kind of what I'm leaning toward for the WCQ, honestly. Uh, just from the decks that I've seen so far, uh, it's probably the one that interests me the most. But obviously, that's a, that's a, that's a ways away um, to really see how things develop.
to see if that would be a viable pick. But yeah, that's kind of all I got on the upcoming upcoming meta stuff. Mm. I, I think uh, without a ban list, yeah, I, I agree. Like, there's so many cool things coming out, uh, you know, before WCQ season. We're just in this weird pocket where cash deer is still oppressive. Yes. And there's still all these other, like, looming issues. And it's like, well, what are you going to do? So it's, inter- it's going to be more interesting to see what Konami decides is the appropriate course of action. And given their last ban list that they released, where I think they did a really good job at making tier unplayable compared to Japan, which I don't yes. know if, if, that's, if that's dictated by, like, we had full power cash tier. You, you know what I mean? It's like, uh, that, that might be why, you know, like, tier is just straight garbage here. But, you know, I, I think it's garbage in Japan and they still play it. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, any final thoughts, Jeff, or do you want to move along to the new stuff? Uh, no, I think that that covers basically everything from the, yeah, for, so right. Pearly and Super Heavy Samurai. And I don't think there was anything else. Uh, yeah. Go Not ahead. for Cyber. I mean, I guess... You know the synchro stuff. I think the synchro stuff. Uh, just real quick, the 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 apple dragon. I think for that card to be really really good, I do think it needs the the battles of legend it needs chaos stuff. Ruler. Which it, oh it, that it too. Needs, yeah. well, I, I think it needs, I think it needs chaos, chaos ruler yeah. more than the yeah. rock. You need chaos ruler yeah. and you need the elf. Uh, yeah. Did Japan Japan lost elf right? That was, they did. That was the thing? They did just lose yeah, okay. elf. Yeah. And you saw all of these decks like fall off heavily. Evaporate. Yeah. Synchro stuff still okay. Yeah. Um. But like relative to the, their current format is like, why would you play this deck when Super Heavy does what this deck tries yeah. to do? Yeah, it, it's just unfortunate. Yeah, um, the pieces you can have like, uh, there's some funny stuff with the Chaos Angel that you can do in a lot of these decks. I think that's just mm-hmm. a really splashable so, card in general. So, so I was going to say, Chaos Angel is a card that people really need to be scared of because there are a lot of decks that will not be able to out it. I've yeah. watched numerous games end because they were playing a deck like Super Heavy Samurai just has no out to that yeah, card. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that is a yeah, that is an interesting card, which we can talk about that card. I think that's an interesting card to talk about specifically the, next time. There, there is right? some like, crazy when stuff. we actually if you, get the if you set. watch just really quickly there, if you watch Herman play any of his uh his furniture labyrinth deck in that yeah. case tournament. <laughs> was incredible yeah. he would make the chaos angel and then he would go uh Mockraker, summon it back and then get to trigger it again and people would just like baffled they're like yeah that's fine and he just summons it. he's like a fact they're like wait what and just like would loop the card it, yeah. it, was, it was really funny i think that's like an interesting thing it's like a weird interaction that should never come up but uh you know keep it keep it in the back of your mind it's like you can summon this card in labyrinth i guess yeah you know? absolutely all right so moving on to new stuff um i guess let's talk about gold pride first i don't want to talk about the card specifically because they just got revealed i'm sure everyone's read them let's just go over like the general sentiment briefly explain what should happen in gold pride currently well let's talk about so bowden the main new one they got that i think is the best one is they got another there is no thinking it is the best one it makes it's the only reason that can function without this card this deck would not be able to function yeah they got another rota (laughs) and and a rank three that searches both the rotas (laughs) so now it actually now unlike last time i think the main complaint we had about gold pride last time was just like how do you build this deck how do you even get it to 40 cards and then what do you do and a big complaint that we had was the Rota had to reveal a name in your hand already to search. And we were like, well, there are only three and you don't want to even max out on them. This just doesn't make any sense. Now there's a new Rota that just searches when you activate it and uh, there are more names. So great. You know, like now you actually can resolve your cards consistently and whatever your deck is supposed to do, uh, which the jury's still out maybe on what it is actually supposed to do, you can actually do it. 
So, so I think what, what you were meant, meant to do, because mm -hmm. I messed around with them for a little bit today, is now, uh, obviously when people were trying to build it before with what little cards they had, you would play the punk cards because yes. they are have Xiamen, which is a level three tuner um, that also uh, lets you pay life points, which makes you lower. So then you can trigger all these guys' effects. So now emergency teleport for Xiamen is like one card for interruptions. Uh, <laughs> sure. Yeah. So, I so believe you. Comes, <laughs> deck, it, it might be actually be more, but it, it, like it went from being able to end on nothing to be able to now end it is on... a field. Yeah. Now yeah, Itali now actually does field. something. Yeah. yeah. Which yeah. That, those cards have been good before. Like we've seen just Itali, you know, plus a discard for the for the uh, Foxy Tune be a field. You know, not that long ago, right? And it really wasn't until Chaos yeah. Ruler and Fiber got uh, banned that those cards stopped being super super crazy. And so I, I just kind of want to go over like, like the quick plays. Mm -hmm. It's like yeah. very simple. So like you go teleport for, Z for Ziamen, you go ahead and go Foxy Tune into Deer Note, and then you go those two into the Punk Jam Dragon, which yeah. will then search for the uh, Madam Spider, the one who adds a trap, mm -hmm. uh, and then your Deer Note will bring back your Ziamen. And then you go ahead and normal summon the Madam Spider, search your deck for a trap, and then overlay your two level threes for the new uh, level three. So that, that which is Chariot Carry, who says you get to add a gold prize spell from your deck to your hand. Um, and then you can search your deck for uh, the new spell, which is a Rota, and also lets you draw a card. And uh, basically, you get to. Uh, it's actually it's very very long. I just realized how long it's going to be. But yeah, like you can just keep going and going and going. Uh, <laughs> uh, but because yeah. oh, I'm sorry, the, the second and most important part is that the the exceed says you search deck for a gold prize spell, and then you can foolish burial a guy. So you search the because your life is up. lower, right? Because you use Zayaman and you yeah, use Jam so you, Dragon, so you pay. I think Jam Dragon also pays life. It does, yes. Oh. So then you go, you go ahead and you search for Leon, and then Foolish Burial, the Captain Carry. Then you special summon Leon, which brings back Carry. Oh, which gets you a, I which forgot gets it you did a that. Trap. Oh, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, which gets you a trap, and then you can, uh, uh, yeah, keep making a whole bunch of other stuff. And you can make how, the Synchro, um, how maybe. Do you, do you think you go with the Punk cards? Like, do you think there's room to also have the Field spell, and then the... Uh... You can the, you can definitely I think you can go more into the punk, but mm. I think then you don't can't fit hand traps, and I think you probably want to go heavier into hand traps. But mm. that, uh, I I'm not really sure. But basically, yeah, you can. Well, yeah, like, well, like your, your um your jam dragon can also just like add ogre as a point of interaction. Yes. Right? So, so like, you, when you right. like so draw, I'm, you have I'm, these pairings. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting. I like that. Oh yeah, but, but that's, a, that's a problem turn, we have with all the other decks, right? A whole bunch of, like... of interactions, and you can bounce mm. their cards and absorb them as uh, as equip spells from the new from their new uh, uh, new fusion monster, and then you'll draw a card because of your continuous spell lets you draw a card during mm. the end phase, and uh, it it actually like going first, it is actually not that bad. But mm. as we all know. Going first is never the problem with the deck. It's going second. Yeah, going first. All <laughs> yeah, of these terrible decks can go first. If you could go, go first, first all the time and have all gas, like yeah. you said, right? It's like how how deep do you want to go with the punk engine? Well, like you you caught like uh you know you you cover all of this like non engine and then you have no hand traps. Sort of like what we're at with like super heavy and pearly. Like pearly's engine is so big and you have like these like ten flex spots and then you have to pick the hand traps. Like is that enough? Super heavy can be like twenty twenty split, but then you said it has all these weaknesses against like floodgates. And, like, this deck is probably just going to be, like, the amalgamation of the two, where it's, like, 
we have to play all of these cards. Let's determine which cards suck the most, and then let's fill the rest with hand traps. It's, I don't know. The, the makings of a, an average format when we have to sort of get to that one. I, I really love, like, all gas decks. Like, I just want to mm -hmm. have everything playing into a board, interacting, instead of having to play a bunch of hand traps to not die. Makes it kind of awkward. Yeah, I think this is definitely a deck that w wants to play hand traps. I'm not... I'm mm -hmm. like, I... I, I I, f I feel like it does, but simply mm. because also like you have you have the jam dragon which can search you ghost ogre and stuff and and like uh, potential and free draws right if we can get to forty and have hand traps and draw three cards in our turn with punk field spell and then the gold pride spell right? yeah, yeah. yeah 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 you'll draw yeah you draw during the end phase you'll draw or you'll draw one card from your uh, continuous mm. spell and then also from your uh, what's it called as well your yeah your punk spell so. Uh, yeah, I think I think it, they're 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 a lot better, uh, a lot better now. But again, uh, I I said earlier on social media when I read these cards, I was like, well, I could do all this, but I could also just do the same thing or better in other Early, decks. Like, yeah. The other do you decks. think this is like uh, the Lieber Mansa of twenty twenty three, where we saw it played at some of these nationals? Like, obviously, like the, I the think this deck. deck is now better than Lieber. I was gonna say, okay, I also think this that, deck is better. That's interesting to note. Then, like with the ban list, maybe this is like a dark horse pick uh, going into like Philly or like WCQ season. This is like a deck that you could use to catch people off guard. Um, just does a lot, right? And that's like the Liebermanza deck. You'll sit across from it last year at the Nationals where, like, you know, it, it, it did well at uh, the Brazilian one, the German one, you know, like, you saw it topping. And, yeah, and, and Paulo was like a read every time. Paulo ran at, like, three different events in a row, I feel like. <laughs> Even he, though definitely like played it, he definitely played it more than I thought any human should. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Quite. He, he loved it, though, because you could, again, just play a bunch of hand traps. Yeah. Was, engine, hand traps, mm. done. Sold. Mm. Yeah. So, okay, so that covers the gold prides pretty well. So the other cards I kind of want to talk about, which I don't think these are going to be legal for, for our WCQ, but the Fire Legendary Duelist set got revealed, and I just briefly want to talk about the Volcanics because I think they're pretty cool, and unfortunately, I think they might be good enough to be really obnoxious, <laughs> which we'll see how those play out, but... Basically, um, volcanic, you know, volcanics have had like some pretty relevant cards in the past. You know, volcanic shell has been played throughout the game's history since it came out in various times. And mm -hmm. scatter shot, we saw that played recently. <laughs> you know, um, what? Shut up! Don't talk about scatter. Yeah. Well, count. no. Well, okay, fine. And then like, well, scatter shot <laughs> was played in actually to use its effect with like uh, the blaze accelerator uh, reload trap card, you know. And it's like, yeah, yeah. Re these are cards. Wait. Yeah, five years ago. <laughs> Anyways, yep, yep. <laughs> you know, these are cards that actually have been played and have real uh, utility, and they've definitely been power crept out of relevance, in my opinion. But now they got more support that I think just makes them very reasonable and um the one that i'm mostly looking at that like there's going to be a you know a couple format shifts before these come out so maybe none of these cards are even legal but i was looking at these volcanic cards with shell and the new one that can like foolish shell shell or search shell and like they have a lot of cards that just do a lot of a lot of burn damage and i'm looking at this and i'm like can i just like play a runic volcanic deck, never need a battle phase, and then I will either deck my opponent out or I will burn them for 8,000 mm -hmm. over the course of three turns. And it's like, that 
just seems like a reasonable thing. Like Runics have a very splashable control engine and Volcanics have a very splashable control engine in my opinion. So that's kind of the one that I'm just thinking about like, man, this deck has potential to be very good and very, very frustrating to play against. But I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on that or if you've thought about uh, that type of thing <laughs> of just like well, 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 I, I <laughs> your fist. Like the day they were yeah. out, but then I was like, "Oh, I'm pretty sure we can't use these, so I'm not gonna think about mm -hmm. them." But I'm like, I'm a very big fan of volcanic cards in general, especially shell. Um, big fan of shell, and uh, I think there could be maybe yeah some some splashy abilities into something. I'm not sure if it would be the runic deck, but uh, even 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 maybe something else. I'm not sure what it would be, but. Um, yeah, I think I think it's something that's will The question I ask with decks like this is uh like is this too little too late? And my my greatest example has to be the Gladiator Beast support circa 2019 where I just think damn, if this came out maybe 5 years earlier okay, it would have been playable. I mean, 5 years yes. is a lot, but yes. Yeah, <laughs> but pretty like, much. Yes. Um I think I think this is probably fine now, but it's like is it better than like is it better relative to the format currently and like with all the hits like do you think this is better than like the tier below what's good now and that really just like sort of snowballs because i think this is like probably weaker than most of the other decks that might become competitively viable if we hit a lot of the strong decks now i don't think it'll like pocket into the format of like 12 decks haha volcanic is viable unless we get really bare bones Yu Gi Oh which doesn't seem like it'll happen uh, anytime soon, but uh, I'm hopeful. I like when decks like this become viable. All those cards are nice. Yeah. Ulti Shell, Secret Purse, Volcanic Rocket that you probably don't play. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, and then I don't know if there are any Duelist Nexus cards we want to touch on. Some got revealed today. We can just put a little footnote I feel like of... We'll have like a Duelist Nexus yeah, Episode that Dark World right. card made me angry. That Dark World yeah. card made Jeff angry. We can talk about it later. It's fine. I don't know why it made <laughs> anyone angry. I think it's it's just the same. Who cares? Uh, yeah. uh, I don't think you could just add Cerulean discard at turn one with one card. Oh, it discards as well? I thought it, it just sucks. No, no. It, it adds it's, it's, the card. It says, so you go, add discard Cerulean, then I'll silver you. Uh, it's a fact. Right, that's that's crazy. The text is, you can only activate this card once per turn, add a Dark World monster from your deck to your hand, then discard one card. That is the te that is the text of, of the card. It is not that a is Dark hilarious. World card, so you cannot search it with snow. So that is yeah. it. I mean, your deck, that deck... You're, you're going to draw so many cards. Anyway. Yeah, so you're going like, to draw so many cards. Trolls, you don't got troll, I'm guess you're going to get looped every time now, I feel yeah. like. I, this is also that a card you can get off Thrust, also. Uh, that Dark Worlds can get off... Because previously, sometimes they were getting card destruction off Thrust. But this might even be better sometimes, you know? Uh, but yeah, so that's a, that's a whole thing. All right, great. So... Um, I don't really want to talk about uh, the 25th anniversary Legendary Collection one. It, it's just reprints. It doesn't matter, right? It, like we don't need to talk about it. it. It's just whatever. It, um, we in a previous podcast we said it was going to be dumb, yeah. but it's not for people <laughs> like us. Yeah, yeah. Like it's cool. Like it's a cool product, but yeah, it's not for people like us. So it's fine. We don't have to. All right. So let's move on to Master Duel. So we talked about this very, very, very briefly last time. Of tier came out. 
They preemptively hit a couple tier cards. We went, that's odd, but whatever, sure. Like, it's just the approach they've been taking. And, um, you know, now we've had a week with it or so. And they've announced uh, a ban list already for tier, uh, which very, very quickly I will go over. The cards that are going back to three don't really matter at all. But what they're doing is Instant Fusion Forbidden. So Instant Fusion to zero. Um, Foolish Burial Goods to one and King of the Swamp to one. And I will say, I saw this list and I literally laughed. Like, I, ju- I just I just thought it was funny. And the only real thought I have on it is, uh, we talked about Institution getting banned for months and months and months. That might be the thing we talked about the most on this when we when, when Tier was the best deck for so long. Because I'd say we started doing this right before or right after, you know, like all the Ashizu stuff came out and Tier was just very oppressive. And we kept saying, why is Institution not banned? Like, how did they not ban Institution? Whatever, whatever. And I think it's funny that literally a week after they came out in Master Duel, they banned Institution. I have to imagine Instant Fusion's win rate is just absurd, right? Like, it mm. has to just be I knew when hilarious. I opened it, my win rate was almost 100% every time. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just saying, like, now that they have all the data, you know, for for because it's, a, it's a, a digital game and they can just kind of, you know, like, look at all <laughs> the data, the win rate of Instant Fusion must be ridiculous if they just, oh, gone, <laughs> one week banned. <laughs> You know, like it must just be like, like, like laughably high. And, um, Foolish Burgood's King of the Swamp, I feel those, those hits decks. are almost insulting because the people, because the good tier decks don't even play those cards. Like, I so think the, it's, the problem like, is, I think, uh, week one, a lot of the stuff that came out for tier, especially in Japan. Um, which is which is like more relevant for me given my time zone. I play against a lot of Japanese uh, Master Duel like players, right? Sure. Every list I saw had King of the Swamp. It had like the standard foolish good stuff, but they'd also have stuff like Chaos Hunter and then like Herald of uh, Green Light and <laughs> all of like the really weird stuff. And then I, I did some searching, and some of the Japanese lists just like yeah, three King of the Swamp, a Poly, and then Herald of Green. It, it's just. Like, this was all over, like, Japanese Twitter. So I think just out of, like, uh, their media, they just all defaulted to that one strategy. Like, yeah. maybe, like, a content creator in Japan's like, here's my tier deck. Sure. You know? Yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, I'm not going to deny that King of the Swamp and Foolish Bow Goods see play in tier. Mm. I just think they are clearly not the problem cards, you know? And if if anything... If anything, they were the more unique aspects of the deck. And with those cards being limited, now you can only play tier one way. And now so every I, tier deck will look exactly the same, right? So I I think it's funny that they hit those cards instead of... So I didn't think they would like immediately hit more tier cards. What I thought would happen would be they would hit older cards that they are definitely going to hit in the future anyway. Shizu. Which would be which would be the Shizu cards, because they still have three Medora, two Kelbeck, two they have two of all the other ones. So yeah. mm-hmm. it, it just would have made sense to like limit all those cards to one. They're gonna happen it's gonna happen anyway, and those cards are already limited in everywhere. So uh, it it would just seems to be it seemed like it would be way more beneficial to do that than 
hit cards that really are not in people's decks. I also thought maybe they would just release Bistules, honestly. Like, I thought maybe they would have just been like, yeah, next pack Bistules, Uh, you know, like promo pack, something, you know, just like something like that, right? Like, I, I really thought because I, how long, so I know, so we never had Ishizu without Darkwing Blast. Did Japan ever have Ishizu without Darkwing Blast? I'm gonna check right now. Actually, no. uh, yes. How long? I mean, yeah. How long did they have that? How like long a very short on? pocket, probably July like three weeks. Okay, Darkwing yeah. Blast was July sixteenth. Uh, what was? Because we we were meant to have we were meant to have a Shizu, uh, no Darkwing Blast, and then we had a delay, and then we just ended up having Element with Bestial, no Shizu, but they had a Shizu. No Bistial, and then the whole format, right? Yeah. Like, they, they, I think that there is a world where they had... No, they didn't have the... No, they had Tier uh, without I'm a Shizu. Going, I'm going oh, to they, get this they, information for you. Okay, so uh, they got the uh, Ashizu cards in May tw- uh, May 21st, 2020. Oh, they, they had almost... Yeah, I'm, I'm looking. It's May 21st, and they had Dabble in July. So they had a full month of Ishizu mm. with, with no Dabble. But that also meant no Rule Colo. So the format yeah. we have in Master Duel is entirely unique in that there are there are Ishizu. They also uh, had no Scream at that then either. They had no what? Scream. Yeah, yes, exactly. So so or yeah. So so this is an entirely yeah. u- unique format in that there are Ishizu cards and they have the Dabble tier cards only and they are missing Sprint and they're missing Bistrals. So it is a very weird like pocket of it's a weird amalgamation of how both games experienced these decks. It, like in a way that somehow is completely different from how both games did, right? Because, like, we had a time with Bistrals and Sprint and Rulkolos, but no Ishizu, and they had Ishizu and none of that other stuff, and now we're kind of in this weird pocket of half and half, which just makes everybody confused. And then they... Which led to Foolish Burial Goods getting limited somehow. I'm not really quite sure how that one adds up, but, you know, we'll see. Which just makes me, me think, like is the next Master Duel set just going to release Sprint and Bistrals? And if they do release Bistrals, are they going to not hit... Are they going to not hit tier? Or do you think they're just going to be like, well, the Bistrals are just broken anyway. We'll just hit everything. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll, we'll hit tier. We'll, we'll, we'll release Magnum limited to one. Like, maybe. They might do that. I think that would actually be something... They're definitely... They've demonstrated they're capable of making a decision like that, of just releasing Magnum at one or at two. Um, which I feel like is not outside the realm of possibility. So the, then they also announced, uh, worlds, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Which I'm still not entirely sure how that works, but Bowden, so, I'm sure you I was know. Gonna say, so one of you explain it. Cause I am not sure. Yeah. Either. I don't I'm know. Sure yeah. So the basic premise is. Uh, there will be a, uh, I don't know if you guys played like the, the Duelist Cup or any of the equivalent, like either in Duel Links or in Mastodol. So basically you have to get to Duel Level Max, which is uh, 20, and that there's a period where you do that. And then if you make Duel Level Max, you're able to play in the Regional Qualifier, um, which I assume is going to be similar to what Duel Links does, 
where they will put you in a pocket of uh, your region. So again, like it'll be like North America, so USA, Canada, Europe, encompassing a good chunk of Europe, and then everyone else. Uh, and then you'll play for 48 hours, and then the person who is rank one will receive a qualification for Worlds. The difference being for Mastodol, the person that comes first and qualifies for Worlds is able to pick two people from their region that achieve dual link, uh, sorry, uh, dual level 20, which is dual level max, and they're teaming with those people. So Worlds for Mastodol will be a 3v3, essentially. That is so bizarre, but cool. It like It's going to be yeah. interesting. I, I look forward to seeing how it plays out and if they'll do it again in the future. There, there is some crazy stuff, though. So the theory that I've seen is that hmm. they are doing this to make up for it being best of one. Mm. Oh, sure. Yeah, okay. so, so picture this, right? Siding isn't integrated into the game yet. Yeah. How would you side deck? If they use the rules that they have for... Uh, the other events where it's like you just switch decks entirely, which is crazy which is they use for the North America <laughs> yeah. ones, right? Yeah, yeah, that's like that's like in the policy for the Master Duel, uh, mm -hmm. like main events and shit. So if they use that one, I think it's a little bit more in like you know, like it's less because dueling's like lets you do it the out like that way, right? Like dueling's lets you do the conquest and 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 all of that stuff. It's like pick three decks, do this, like play it out, right? Yeah, and that's been very common. It would not surprise me if that's something that Master Duel does. As Which, sorry, to can I just, just explain Conquest real, real quick for people that haven't played that? So this is a format that Duel Links does, and uh, a bunch of the online card games do it, like Hearthstone. Say, I don't know what that is. What is yeah, that? so Hearthstone does it too. That was their main competitive format. So it's basically, uh, uh, be before the tournament starts, you, you register multiple deck lists, and... The rules are usually, because of how online card games usually work, like for Hearthstone, you have different heroes. For Duel Links, you have different characters and different skills. Generally, the rule is your decks cannot share the same character. So, mm -hmm. uh, for example, you uh, like the worlds that Bode and I, uh, we spectated Duel Links um, for our year. And, uh, for example, it was like they, they, they registered a Noble Knight deck with the balance skill, uh, a Spellbook deck with... Probably one of like you know the Yugi like spellcaster skills crazy spell and something skill, yeah yeah exactly and then something else right so you pick three decks and then you have to win with all three of your decks so both players have three decks and you know what decks they have but I don't uh, you don't in know certain, which one in certain play, formats right? the deck lists are also open in other formats it's just the character so like maybe you'll know they are blank with the balance skill. And just from your meta knowledge, you know that means they're playing Noble Knights or whatever. Um, yeah, so then it's like, so you blind pit your decks against each other. And then uh, when a deck wins, it gets eliminated. And the goal is to eliminate all three of your decks. So the way that format works is it means if you have one deck that's like terrible, you'll never win because you'll win with your two good decks. And then your last terrible deck might just get 3 0 right? So that's kind of an interesting way of like you and you have to like, and then there is some, some, some strategy of like, uh, you know, like some of your decks have really good matchups. So maybe you don't lead with it because you need to make sure you can counter pick like the deck you need or something like that. So that is what conquest is. Um, it's handled a little bit differently in all the games that it's used in. Uh, but that's the general, but it's common enough that it does have a name. Um, and it's generally pretty similar. I'm not sure the specifics of how dual links does it, but I imagine you can't use the same character for every deck. 
I imagine that's the rule. Because in Hearthstone, the rule was you cannot take the same class more than once. Um, and there might be other deck building restrictions. Like some games will even be like no cards can overlap. Um, which is different than in Yu-Gi-Oh! Because staples are usually a hero-by-hero hero basis or, you know, like certain mana colors only. So it's less of an issue. But in Yu-Gi-Oh! Obviously, that would be very weird. So I doubt they'll do that. But probably just... Uh, and for Master Duel, I don't even know how... The, you know, there's not even going to be like a character overlap because there are no characters. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how they limit deck choice um, or if they do at all. Maybe they'll just let you play through the same deck. But that doesn't seem like it would make much sense. Yeah, I'm done. <laughs> I, that's what I'm waiting to. They, I, no, I agree. Like, I'm just waiting to see like how Konami approaches this. How they're going to do regions? Like, is it going to be 2017 Dueling's introductory World Championship where more people are going to be able to qualify in like different pockets? There's no KC Cups. Like, how are we going to, uh, you know, like community build right for Master Duel? Because Oceania usually gets lumped in with like Southeast Asia. It's us versus like Hong Kong, Taiwan, like all of those sort of regions. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a little bit more intimidating. We also don't have much in terms of uh, like marketing coming our way. Cause like logically, why would you? It's like, if you pay a North American person uh, to stream some Master Duel stuff, it's probably going to have better reach than picking an Australian content creator, right? Like it just doesn't make a difference. Um, uh, I I don't know. I'm 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 hopeful, uh, but at the same time, I will see disappointment uh, on my end specifically because they just hate us. Um, but you guys, <laughs> yeah, no, uh, you guys are really gonna make up for the lack of like uh, the Challenger Cups and stuff like that that Nadir and uh, all of the other content creators are doing, which they they announced a new season as well. Like if you're in Europe, you can enter these events and like they they have scaling pricing based on attendance. They're all free to play. And they have a like a point system for an end of uh, season tournament where the winner takes home a gaming PC, like a, a Razer gaming PC. Uh, second place gets a PS5. There's like a Steam Deck and all this other broken stuff as well. So it's definitely worth checking out. And like they're hosted by content creators, which I think is also cool. So it's like a really cool partnership. It's something I really wish North America would also do. Um, but you know we have people like MBT doing like the the MCS series that we saw Jesse winning, um, and I think that's like good enough the community is doing most of the work for stuff like this yeah, for sure. uh, without Konami input which is you know it's unfortunate but keeping keeping the dream alive you know you have like your decayed tournament you have your mcs mbt style whatever and uh you know is that okay sure um but you know with konami introducing worlds i would like to see more stuff uh from like their department you know more tournaments i don't care what they give out they could give out more rescue rabbit plushies for all i care but uh it would definitely like help the game grow for sure. Maybe get something in like the esports arena that Konami has in California, right? I think that's that's something that exists. So maybe I just made it up. I don't know. <laughs> um, did they have one in Japan too? Like I vaguely remember them talking about they had some place they they made in Japan, and just then uh, you know the pandemic happened and lockdown happened, and it was just never used. And I again, I don't know the specifics, but it's like yeah, you know for for sure. I, to the best of my knowledge, I've heard whispers of places like this existing. So, like, utilizing them would be fun. <laughs> you know? I don't know. Japan, but... Japan definitely has it. Japan has, like, an esports scholarship program. Yeah. Yeah, it's something ridiculous. I, I, I don't know. There's so many, like, weird things that Konami has up their sleeve that they just don't really <laughs> utilize. And it's pretty disappointing. But yeah, uh, sure. we know it's there. So. <laughs> All right. Yeah, so I think that covers, you know, Master Duel um, for the most part. It's just like, you know, tiers. It's a weird, unique format. Uh, we're going to see how it plays out. 
Um, I'm interested to see how it plays out. I think it sounds interesting. So I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna see what happens with it. But I don't have you know like crazy strong opinions about it one way or the other at the moment. So all right. So I guess uh, let's move on to this is where viewer you know questions would be if if we had them. So just for you know placeholder for for next time. Um, yeah. If there's any topic that you have a you know strong opinion on it that we talked about or you know a question about how we evaluated certain things or just something that you think would be an interesting topic to actually dedicate a segment for in the following um episodes you know just let us know um i believe i mentioned put them in the comments for this video but uh yeah, if we'll up an email or like a google form where you can submit questions and yes. then we can just answer your questions yeah I'll, I'll i'll definitely get one of those two things set up in the next in the next uh week or so before the next episode and we'll have that ready so for now um i i yeah i don't really have anything um i don't think i got any of you like there were some comments in the last video and you know it was mainly just like feedback not like questions that need to be answered and i think we actually incorporated or addressed most of it a lot of people said that they did enjoy us talking about not exclusively Yu-Gi-Oh. it was interesting to hear our opinions and other things so yeah, which you know. leads us into the next top next yes. topic. Which is, <laughs> last week we talked about uh, us enjoying new card games and trying new things, and Ryan was going to a My Hero Academia uh, like regional tournament, and uh, Ryan did uh, pretty well actually. So uh, take it away, Ryan. <laughs> yeah, don't don't sound too shocked. <laughs> you know, you know. Um, yeah. So I I made top eight at the at the My Hero event, um, which is still like mind-blowing to me actually um i posted about it a bit on facebook um i didn't really post about it on twitter but um i think my facebook is probably open i don't i think you don't have i don't i don't think i have have to have added you as a friend to see it but um not only did i top eight uh and i played my top eight match where i did eventually lose uh on stream and even though i lost they interviewed me after my match because um, I talked to a few of the uh, employee, a few of the employees, and I believe the co-owners of Jasco Games, which is the company that makes universes and uh, you know distributes the My Hero card game. And um, they, I told them, or they asked me about you know my my experience playing, and I you know I eventually got to the point where like. I said, yeah, I've actually only been playing this game for six weeks or so. Um, I, I have a you know pretty extensive background in other card games, um, and I explained the whole thing of yeah, you know some some you know person who, who used to play Yu Gi Oh, you know way 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 back then. I had some mutual friends with. They were posting on Facebook, and I went to a demo day and I got a free starter deck, and then I just started playing, and they loved it. <laughs> you know, they they really really enjoyed that that you know uh, I picked up the game so so quickly and. Um, they recorded like almost like a testimonial of me talking about the demo days. And he said he might use it in some of the marketing later, which I thought was awesome. And then I got interviewed on stream, which I will say, I actually will say, I recommend um, if you are interested in hearing me talk about this, I kind of put all my thoughts in the interview I did, which I will go over it very briefly, but it is on Twitch still. Um, I, Time stamped it in my Facebook post about my experience playing it. So if you are curious to hear some of my more in-depth thoughts about it. Um, yeah, but basically um, they asked me to talk about my background in Yu-Gi-Oh! And they asked me to talk about 
the skills that I thought translated uh, between games. And the one that I really uh, mentioned was role assessment, which is to say that even if I don't know the specifics of how all of my opponent's cards work, I'm able to identify such things as like, they're a control deck, they're an aggro deck, they're a mid-range deck, they're trying to do this, this is their win condition, you know, whatever, whatever. And I lost almost every game one. I think I only won two game ones <laughs> in my entire tournament. <laughs> and it was a lot because of my opponent would play a card or they would, you know, show their character and I would read it and I would say, I've never seen this before in my life. I played against nine different decks in in 10 rounds. I played against nine different decks. So, And the only reason I played against um, a repeat deck is because... I, the guy I lost to in round two, I played against in top eight, or sorry, uh, top top 16. So that was the only reason <laughs> I had one non-unique deck, is I literally played against the same person twice. So um, I would just kind of get destroyed game one, reading all their cards and trying to figure out what they did. And then I was able to, you know, assess how I lost, what they were doing, what their win condition is. And then I won most of my, you know, two and threes. Um, so it kind of showed, I guess, like the main skill that I utilized from playing other card games, mainly Yu-Gi-Oh!, but, you know, the games are so different that I have played Hearthstone at a semi-competent level. So I have some experience with a couple of diff different games that I was able to pinpoint what their win condition was and what, you know, and, and I did know my deck reasonably well. And another thing that I think helped me with my deck is like, I was kind of, I was saying this almost as like a meme whenever somebody would ask me why I liked the game or why I was playing it, but the character I was playing has a once per turn effect that is literally Spiral Drones, where you look at the top two cards of both players' decks and you re rearrange it. And I honestly think it was just the, and then a lot of uh, her support cards are also similar to like Spiral-esque cards where they manipulate the top of both players' decks and you get certain advantages and it honestly was like comforting to play something that in my head I could at least equate to playing Spiral in that like, it's going to sound so stupid, but it like literally like calmed me down that I, or, or rather I thought it was so much easier to learn how my cards functioned and how they comboed because I could equate them to cards that I've played in other games. So yeah, I'd say that was uh pretty much it. I had a very positive experience. I would say the way the tournament was run and uh you know how how it all worked out was was very good. Um they had online pairings and you reported your matches online as well, similar to what uh Europe does for Neuron and I think it worked fine. Was, was this unique or was it best coast pairings? It was unique. It was, it was their own website. It was their own website. Okay, cool, cool. No, because um, a lot of people are randomly using that Best Coast thing. Like, I, I deep dive to see what games are using it, and it's just, mm -hmm. like, all of these random card games just, like, use that for online pairings and, like, reporting and everything. It's, I was, like, like, all of the Bandai games, and I think a couple other random ones, yeah. too, mm -hmm. right? To the best of my knowledge, this is their own proprietary system. It, it might be based on 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 mm -hmm. a different system, but it's integrated into their website. So so similarly to how we have you know the Konami card game ID, and you have Neuron, and you can you know like uh, save decks and whatever. Um, yeah, this one, I uh, you you have uh, an account on their website, and 
I briefly mentioned this last week where uh, you sign into locals through your account as well, something Neuron has a feature for, but we don't use in North America, really. And you get rewards points. I I think that's something we should talk about real quick because you know what? We bitch so much about (laughs) the support for Gold Pride and then the Gold Pride new one was pretty good. So you know what? Let's bitch about how there's all these features on Neuron that go unused. Yeah. So can, Let's, I mean, can we do that after this? But yes, I do want to for sure. I'm, 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 I'm yeah. just going to do it right now. Okay. I mean, <laughs> get your shit together. Right, yeah, on. I guess, I guess um, my opinion on that maybe has changed because I've seen a game with a much smaller scene do, do it so effectively. And now I've experienced it being done, you know, reasonably well. Um, but basically, my account on Jasco Games, um, it's very similar to how you just log into like your, you know, Konami network ID or whatever. They don't have like a phone app, but they have it all on the website, which I would like to see them have, have a phone app later. I think that would be cool. Um, similar to Neuron. And I'm sure they could do it eventually, but, you know, not super high on their priority list. I'm sure it is very, you know, resource intensive and pretty expensive to make an app like that that you're happy with. So not going to really dock them any points for that when the website does work just fine so but uh yeah so you get points for renting locals you can you know do all these things where you can upload a you know like a deck and what character you're playing and whatever and you like i signed up for the event on the website and i paid for it on the website and then i got there and then i checked in and i submitted my deck list online as well and then i checked in and they just they you know like just said okay like what's your name and, you know, like a, a security question to make sure it's actually you. And it's like, yes, this is me. Like, this is my account or whatever. And then you're in the tournament. And then, um, yeah. And then you you get pairings online on on the website. And then from the pairings, like, you you can search the pairings. And then you click on your table. And then it's because it's linked to your ID, if you're logged into your account, you can report the match results right on the pairings. And that was just, it's, it is crazy that I was impressed by that, but I guess I'm just, Konami just hasn't changed how they've done it for so long. Yeah. Because Konami is a multi-billion dollar company. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But, 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 yeah, so. Yeah, we call paper match lips. Yeah. So I very much, you know, I, I. I was almost like taken aback when my opponent round one is like, oh, I, I, I reported on the app already. And I was like, sure. <laughs> you know, I was like, all right, great. Europe, Europe does that. <laughs> yeah, I know. And Europe does do that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, they do. So they do. Exactly. yeah, um, I think that's about it. Uh, I, I got my invite to nationals for my, for my hero. Um, I want a prize card. That's what's baffling to me too. I literally have a, my hero prize card. Like, like they do prize cards very similar to what Yu-Gi-Oh does. Like, the first place one gets one with like a gold name and it says champion on it. And then top eight get a silver one that says contender. So I essentially have the equivalent of like a super rare Yu-Gi-Oh prize card in my hero. And I think that is just crazy. And I felt like such a fraud because I had to read all of my opponent's cards every single round and was just clicking buttons. But I think my deck was very good. So yeah, which um, you know, I did have uh, one thing I do want to talk. Um, uh, so uh, Mitchell, who's one of your friends, Jeff, uh, helped me out a lot uh, with the game. He, I, you know, we met through Yu-Gi-Oh, you know, years ago, and he plays my hero a lot. And 
uh, the week leading up to the event, I hit him up and I asked if he would, you know, like help me out. And he gave me like a boot camp, and we improved my deck quite a bit. And I learned a lot about what was going on in the meta and a hundred percent attribute most of my success to that interaction of just getting those games in with somebody who's very experienced and, you know, taught me a lot of the, the interactions. And honestly, just like, I wasn't even sure what like the proper, like, I don't want to say etiquette, like order of operations of like, I like the formal turn structure of like at an event, how do I declare my effects properly? So nobody is confused or nobody sharks me or whatever, whatever. And it was just, very like very very helpful and um we talked about last week something about about getting into new games and i almost feel like i was cheating by having somebody help me get off the ground that quickly or rather i felt like now this experience is less relatable because not everyone has this opportunity obviously like just somebody who's trying to just get into a new game, I feel like it's very unlikely you can just look at the top eight of the previous event and realize you have a message history with that person over the course of five years for a different topic (laughs) and just hit them up, (laughs) you know? And I feel like that's a very unique experience. Um, That was actually another thing I talked about in the interview that they, that uh, the commentator liked is, is, uh, the connection and sense of community, not just in Yu-Gi-Oh! and not just in My Hero, but how it extended to multiple games. And that is something I think very, not that unique, I guess, but just in terms of these types of hobbies of that, like, you know, they're all reasonably similar and there is a lot of common ground and it is cool to sort of see them branch out and extend and you know, I hope maybe somebody listening to this will look at the My Hero card game. Maybe that they'll enjoy it. You know, maybe somebody who was you know, watching the, the My Hero stream, uh, you know, heard me mention Yu-Gi-Oh! and all the connections I made. And maybe they'll try Yu-Gi-Oh! And I think that's cool if, if you know, uh, if either of my platforms got at least one person into something they wouldn't have found otherwise and they enjoy it. Then I think that's a good thing. So, yeah, I think that kind of I gotta tell you, wraps up my thoughts. I'm not going to play My Hero. But uh, all the power to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I will tell you exactly what I said in group chat before. I don't like my hero, and I think you're kind of dumb. But I'm happy that you're happy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Exactly. You know, Brian. I'm glad I did good, so Jeff won't bully me. <laughs> yes, that absolutely. Is, that is a big one. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So speaking uh, of new COD games, though, mm-hmm. uh, they announced like. I think I went over the announced like the whole structure for like battle spirits and stuff like that. But they, uh, Jeff, you registered for the, the uh, Ohio one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that'll be that'll be cool. Like these are like two different formats, air quotes. So there's like sure. one in Palm Springs, which is like in two weeks, and that'll be the format that we played for the release event. And then the one Jeff is gonna play is going to be in June. And then there is, uh, like, an expansion set and then, like, a tournament pack and some other stuff. I don't think the expansion set is legal. But, um, yeah, that, that'll be, like, another field test thing that we can probably, uh, you know, talk I, I, about when it does well, come the, up two months from now. At the end of June, and the expansion pack says it comes out in June. So I imagine it, that... No, no, the expansion pack isn't legal, but the tournament pack is legal. Oh, okay. I Yeah, expansion you're... pack actually comes out the week of the grand open that you're playing. And... It, it says it's not legal it's not legal yeah it's on the on the thing i double checked okay mm-hmm. 
Yeah. <laughs> All right. But I'm, I'm excited. I'm down. I was like, I told Ryan the other day, I was looking, I was like, man, it's been a long time since, so like, the last new card game I played was Flesh and Blood, and oh boy, maybe I should have gotten everything max rarity for that and been a millionaire. Instead, I didn't and pooped the bed. So now I'm like, well, if this game doesn't die in two years, I may as well have everything in max rarity. Um, and I'm just looking and I'm like, yeah, you know, this is pretty cheap to get everything like pretty close to high rarity, I guess. Slowly progressing towards it. There's some stuff that I need to get, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that's something that I, I think is going to be worrisome, especially for someone like Ryan as well. Ryan already talking about like I'm gonna keep my promo and play it in my deck. Uh, like, I, yeah, I'm. Binder. I'm not sure <laughs> what I'm gonna do with the with the my hero stuff, and I'm not sure. So one thing I did do is before I even really started playing, like I've been, I had not even like played a game yet, and I had not even mm. like made a deck yet. Is all I said was, no matter what, I don't care if my deck is max rarity or low rarity. Like I will play an all common deck. But my character must be the foil. Yeah. My character must be be the foil. The one that stays face up on your field the entire game. I, I will not play the 20 cent common. I will buy the expensive one. And literally, I walked in the room and I had learned the previous week that the character I played had a, like, you know, it's like a, it's every character, what I like to have they do in My Hero is every character so far is just an uncommon from a set. Or, or as a promo that you can get with the locals rewards point. So every character has every single character in the game, which is like your starting hero and like your hero power or whatever, has a low rarity version. Every single one. So there is no character that is paywalled and that you cannot get easily. And then some characters that are very popular and very good have high rarity versions, which is great. So... My character um, was very popular in the previous in the previous competitive season and had like an alt art foil one. So literally, as soon as I walked in the room, went to a vendor and bought it, <laughs> and it was only like, it was only like twenty bucks, but still, it was like you know. And I felt very I felt good about it. And now, after I've played an event and well, it did for, reasonably for well, fan of the My Hero anime, why don't you tell people what character you played? Because you didn't say that. I oh, I didn't. Yeah, I played uh, Jiro. I believe her hero name is Earphone Jack. And her gimmick in the card game, it, which, you know, because in the show she has, like, like the sound manipulation and stuff like that, her gimmick is, like, scouting. And it literally, a bunch of her cards are, like, spiral. Her hero ability is she can look at the top two cards of both players' decks and rearrange them. And then a bunch of her support cards do other things that, like, reveal the top of your deck. Or um, there's a card uh, that literally is like i cannot believe like it's its effect is just declare a card type reveal the top card of your deck and if you called it right draw it um so it was it's literally just a spiral card is that like like spell trap monster is that like yes 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 yeah basically basically it says once while this card is face up on the field declare spell trap or monster flip your top card if it's correct you draw it so that's that's like the you that that's what its text would be in Yu-Gi-Oh and and yeah so it I literally just played Spiral <laughs> in my hero <laughs> so I had a very good time <laughs> just uh, was, and I think it's funny um oh I forgot to mention this so the event was in the same venue as the ARG I won with Spiral it was in Orlando okay. Florida and it was in that same venue and I thought that was hilarious and um 
I played the My Hero event, the playmat I played on was the 2017 Spiral WCQ playmat. And and I I went into it thinking, okay, if at least one person looks at my playmat and looks at my character and like thinks it's funny, I'll be happy. And one of my opponents did. And I had like four people at adjacent tables look at my playmat and look I was playing Jiro and be like, that's so cool, man. Like, I love the spiral, whatever. And I was like, yes. <laughs> you know, so I, I did have a good time with that. And I was like, I was like, I'm glad I did this. I'm glad I played this mat. Um, I also think it's funny that the spiral playmat inexplicably looks like a comic book. I don't yes, really know yeah. why. I don't know why it does that. I don't think the spiral cards have anything to do with that. But I just thought it was funny that the spiral playmat is is stylized like a comic book. And I played that at the My Hero event with a character that functions like a spiral card. So I had a lot of fun with with that little thing. But yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll see how we'll see how deep I get into the game in the future. I will not be able to go to the next major event because it is the same same day as YCS Philly um mm-hmm. but i'm gonna try to go to the one after that but we'll see um, speaking of uh ycs philly real quick i'll just shoehorn it in mm-hmm. uh unfortunately because konami loves having everything be like 17 different departments the uh the world's weekend like the 48 hour grind is the same weekend as philly and then like two european nationals oh one that is being crazy UK one which is like a thousand people you know what i mean like these are big events like yeah. overlapping with uh the, the first master world's qualifying event which is very unfortunate yeah that's um, pretty un- unfortunate and to quote jeff konami get your shit together yeah I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah it happens i mean i've always said kind of as a joke when we see a card get reprinted so many times in so many different sets i always like I feel like they put the teams making these products in different rooms and say, you may not speak to each other. <laughs> like you're not, it's not allowed, but yeah. yeah. No, one, no one talks to each other. Everyone yeah. just says, do the thing. And everyone yeah. does the thing. And this no one, one, no this one, one I then, can understand yeah. them. Like I, I can understand how this one happens because there's probably near zero overlap in how, the event planning goes for the in-person TCG events and the master duel online events. And I'm not like, that's I'll give them a pass on that one. That one's not like that crazy, but obviously in a perfect world, it would be nice if they would not do that because they have to know there is overlap (laughs) right in, in fans who are playing both the TCG and master duel. But yeah. So I'm nothing more on that topic, I guess. Um, if you guys have any closing thoughts, uh, or if not, I kind of wanted to move into our last thing, which is uh, just anything, any topic that we want to talk about. Just real quick before we close, just what we've been, what we've been up to, you know, in like the, I guess I'll say like what dumb nerd stuff we've been doing. To which Bowden so, will say, "I'm not a nerd," and then I'll be like, "All right, <laughs> you know, like, oh, that's fine." I have done Bowden's like Yu-Gi-Oh and women. That's what. That's what, <laughs> what? <laughs> no, it's fine. It's fine. Battle, battle spirits, and then I, I don't know, gambling. Oh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. So, so the one thing I wanted to talk about mm-hmm. is that uh, uh, over the last week or last week, I saw the new Makoto Shinkai movie, uh, Suzume. I'm and, seeing and, that on Friday. So no spoilers, please. However, no, I do. No, I'm no, interested in your opinion on it because I'm seeing it this Friday. 
no spoilers. Uh, Your Name is one of my favorite movies. I absolutely mm-hmm. loved it. And then uh, he has a lot of other good stuff, too. Um, but Your Name is what he's most well-known for, well known for right now. And then he had another movie come out after that called Weathering With You, which was not as good. Definitely not as good. But I still really enjoyed it. And this one is better than Weathering With You. Not as good as uh, Your Name. But I really, really liked it. Max went with me. Uh, Max can't read things, so we saw it dubbed. Um, the dub was good. The dub was good. Uh, so I, I have no complaints there. Um, I actually did see that some people who saw it subbed and dubbed liked the dub more because there are some uh, scenes that are like heavy reference, like certain like Japanese things, or uh, they might say something that is like, kind of well known in like a japanese culture but not in sure like yeah. American. and i imagine like, the subs didn't have like you know what i'm talking about the weird like early 2000s youtube fan right. translations where there's like a parentheses and gives you like a paragraph explanation of like the obscure japanese reference yes, 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 <laughs> i assume yes, that yes. didn't happen <laughs> so uh, so people were like oh this scene was like kind of weird i don't really get what it was but it obviously that doesn't tra- they made it so in the dub that doesn't really happen so yeah they actually like and that's in my opinion what localization sh- is for right like right. i'm not a huge fan of you know like the Yu-Gi-Oh localization where it was just like censorship for the sake of changing the original work to appeal to a different age group um, but I do think that localization in general for stuff like that is very important for a foreign work that might have a cultural disconnect to like relate more to an audience so everybody can enjoy it, which you know uh, yeah. is important. And, and I think so for, for just like an example to is uh, I remember in in your name. Uh, there is a scene where, and if you don't know the concept of your name, there's a boy and girl, and they swap bodies. And after they swap bodies, one of the characters is talking about themselves and says something like uh, "watashi," which is referring to themselves. And they refer to themselves in like in Japanese, it would be like the masculine version. Oh, uh, that's yeah. So uh, and, Boku and, and, is the is and, the masculine one. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, Watashi's and, the the female. Yeah. Well, Watashi's and, anybody, but whatever. All right, but let, yeah, let's well, let's know, not go into like detail primary, because yeah. I'm sure people right. who are much more knowledgeable yeah, yeah, on the yeah. nuance will be very mad that we're trying to explain it. Yeah. So, so the, the character refers to themselves in the masculine when yeah. they are like in the female body, and the characters around them are like, "What?" That's not and, how you refer to yourself. Yeah, yeah. Where they're like, "Why did and, you? Why did you say it like that?" And and so if you don't know this and you're watching it and you're watching the characters and, and screen be confused and like questioning the character, you would have no idea. You just think it's like a very weird scene. that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, that's the kind of thing that like the dubs try to fix. So like a Western audience understands the scene more. Um, but again, like I thought, the, I thought that uh, Suzume was absolutely beautiful. Like all of Makoto's stuff, uh, I it was it was just so much fun. Uh, not without its flaws, but uh, Max and I both really enjoyed it. It was really uh, there were a lot of cute scenes. It has a, an awesome cat in it who is really fun. It was just I just can't say any more about how yeah. much fun I had watching the movie. So yeah. I'm, exci- I'm, exci- I'm excited to hear what, what you think about it when yeah. you go see it. I'm looking forward to it, yeah. Um, I, yeah, so today is Wednesday. Because I'm doing a little more work on getting time stamped, this, this episode will probably not be up until Thursday. So by Friday, I shall have seen it. But yeah. Um, 
All right. So I'm definitely looking forward to it. I'm glad to hear that you liked it. I saw that you um you already added one of the 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 music themes to that play, to the to the anime music playlist. <laughs> so, I did. I did. I, 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 I have. I have a, a weeb playlist on Spotify that is like eight hours long of like some of most of the best like anime music and stuff like that and Japanese music and uh, I definitely added one of the songs from the movie to it. It was very catchy. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I've actually listened to that song already because it was on the playlist. But I will. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right. So. Yeah. I guess the last things I do want to say real 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 quick. I just want to say we talked about this. The Zelda trailer came out this week and yeah. everyone lost their minds and I'm, I guess, on that train. Um, I'm excited for it. You know, it was just a trailer. The game is not yet, but it comes out soon. And I was really not like everybody when they weren't showing gameplay or trailers of the game. Everybody was like, oh, it's comes. It's, it's been in development for so long. It's coming out so soon. They haven't showed us anything. It must be terrible. And I'm just sitting there like, no, they just I- like... Everyone is so stupid. People. Like, and then I, I was one of those people. I was like, "Why aren't they showing? It's so close, and this yeah. seems so mid." I was getting really worried up yeah. until this last trailer. And then, and then this trailer was obviously like phenomenal, and it, it was number one on trending on YouTube when it came out. Like number one, that's crazy to me. It was number one trending on YouTube. <laughs> like that is ridiculous. And then, um, yeah, it looks really cool. Um, I'm excited for it. I. It is funny. I was looking at just to put it into perspective of like when Breath of the Wild came out and I was like, man, Zodiac came out a month before Breath of the Wild. Think about that. That's how yes. long it's been. It- <laughs> <laughs> that's that's how I like carbon date things for my own benefit. If I look at like, what was I doing in my life when this game came out? And I'm like, that was this six years ago. Was a thing. Like, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. So very excited for that. Looks really good. Uh, comes out next month. And I'm sure when it comes out, this little segment, if we're still doing it, will be about that. So now the main like thing I want to talk about for this segment um, is Mega Man Battle Network, which for those of you who have never experienced it at all, um, I'll just preface this by saying I think you should. And um, yeah, I'm going to delve into the backstory of its significance, uh, I guess, to me and to a lot of people um, first. But so Mega well, Man as a franchise... Yeah, I was about to say, yeah, Ryan Ryan is a much bigger Mega Man fan than I am. He's played all of these games. I love Mega Man and have played a lot of them. Like, I played almost all the Mega Man X games. I played the original Battle Network, but none of the sequels. Um, Like, Mega Man Legends, I think, is, like, one of my favorite Mega Man games. I really wish they made, like, a new one. Um, (laughs) But Ryan is, like... I, one of the things we're talking about is like I'm super into like Legend of Zelda like lore and like the mythology of the game and while Ryan really loves that Ryan really loves Mega Man and knows everything about yeah. Mega Man apparently yeah <laughs> so so basically um Mega Man uh you know is a very like classic like you know beloved franchise like it was you know big on the NES like Mega Man 2 is regarded as like one of the best platformers ever made and you know I'm sure Everybody knows the Wily theme uh, for Mega Man 2. Like, it's, it, it's one of the most, like, well-known video game music, uh, you know, soundtracks of all time. And, yeah, so in the early 2000s, um, there was an idea, I guess, at, at Capcom when the Game Boy Advance was coming out, which Mega Man Battle Network was a launch title in Japan for the Game Boy Advance. It came out a couple months later uh, in North America and Europe, but it, it, uh, it, the idea was to modernize a lot of the characters from the classic Mega Man games. So 
Mega Man, you know, I, for those of you who have never heard of Mega Man, that's crazy to me, but just I'll give like a very brief, like 20 second overview. Mega Man Please is a, you know, let's assume everyone knows Mega Man is fine. Yeah. So, so Battle Network, they redesigned uh, the classic Mega Man bosses uh, with, you know, like modern twists, you know, because they came out 15 years later and it is a, it is like an RPG. It's a, it's like an action RPG with a card battling with a card battle and deck building mechanic. Um, and the idea as they pitched it was we want to take Mega Man and we want, which is a very popular brand people like, and we want to incorporate card battling and card trading. And one of the, the influences that they talk about are Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh! Um, Pokemon, you know, cause Yu-Gi-Oh! had was really to take, taking off in Japan and just was coming out or just came out in North America and was extremely pop- popular and they basically said we want to we want to incorporate Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh, those popular things into Mega Man. So Battle Network One, uh, in the context of the whole series, Battle Network One is rough. <laughs> it is definitely, it, you know, it, you can tell it was the first game, and there are definitely a lot of flaws with it. Um, you know, still a you know uh, a classic. And I know Jeff, you said that you enjoyed it, but then for whatever reason, never never played any of the sequels. Um, I'm kind of the opposite. I skipped one. I never played one all the way through. I know the story. Um, and I just played all the sequels because uh, everyone said one was a little rough, but then, you know, two onward were much more refined and the actual gameplay was much better. But uh, just last week, um, finally, after a year of announcement and build up, they released the Mega Man Battle Network Legacy Collection, which is the newest line. They've been doing this for a couple of years. Uh, they had the Mega Man Legacy Collection a number of years ago. It was so many years ago that it was even on the 3DS. That is how many years ago it was. And they had the <laughs> Mega Man X Legacy Collection and the Mega Man Zero and ZX Legacy Collections uh, over the past couple of years. And each one has sold enough copies that they've made the next one. Um the success of the Mega Man Legacy Collection actually led to Mega Man 11 being made. And the success of the X Legacy Collection actually led to the mobile game, the phone game, uh, Mega Man X Dive being made. And, oh my god, are my fingers crossed that enough people buy this Bower Network Legacy Collection that it leads to something else in this series. Because <laughs> it is, like, these these games, they mean a lot to me. They were some of, if not my favorite games. I think, like, other than, like, Pokemon, I think these are my favorite games on the Game Boy Advance. Um, they they are, and, and they capture a lot of the same spirit, which is, you know, kind of what I mentioned of like the very, very like brief overview of it is it's a strategy game where you are on a three by three grid and your opponent has a three by three grid. And then you build a deck of like attacks and there are some rules of your deck building. And then you draw a hand every every round and then you can pick your attacks and then you can chain them together and you can do certain combos um and uh you know there there are a lot more mechanics that come into play as the series go on but um yeah it's it's just a really great time they had a bunch of quality well one main quality of life improvement for um for this collection and one big thing for me that those of you who have played them in the past and maybe you were thinking you were just going to skip the collection because you've played them, you know, and so maybe you even still have the Game Boy Advance ones, which I almost didn't buy this because I still have all the Game Boy Advance cartridges. And 
I will admit, in the last couple of years, I've actually gone back and played a little bit of them. I've never like started over and played it all the way through, but I've you know like maybe loaded up Battle Network three and like my hundred percent save file in that game and just been like, I'm gonna fight the super boss just for fun, you know. Um, and I almost skipped these because I was like, eh, you know, as much as I love these games, I don't really need to play through all of them. Like it's not a big deal. But um, there was a ton of content that Japan got that North America didn't for one reason or another. A lot of it was locked behind extra toys and peripherals the main one being the e-reader which this is going to be like some dark magic that i'm going to cite for those of you that remember the e-reader on the game boy maybe yeah, the worst many a pokemon card maybe the, the worst consumer product ever and it baffles me that it functioned the way it did so the concept is is great you put it in your game boy advance and you and, and you you swipe a card and it will give you extra items, extra levels, extra stuff for your game. Basically just DLC for a way that they could incorporate DLC into Game Boy Advance games that obviously had no internet connectivity, you know, right? So you would go to a store, you, you, you would buy cards. As Bowden mentioned, Pokemon TCG cards have e-reader cards. They, some of the sets had the e-reader things and you could swipe the Pokemon cards in the e-reader and it would actually give you, you shouldn't, <laughs> but you can. <laughs> yeah. You, you will damage them greatly. So you shouldn't do that, but you can do it. <laughs> and they'll give you extra items in like uh, Ruby and Sapphire sometimes, or they'll give you like a mini game to play or whatever. And the, the problem, I know I'm sure everything I've said sounds great, but the problem is the e-reader peripheral itself does not have a cartridge slot. So if you want to give yourself the items in your game, you have to have two Game Boy Advances and a link cable. So if you so you need to own two Game Boy Advances, the game you want. So let's say you have Ruby version and you got an e-reader card that worked with Ruby version. You'd need two Game Boy Advances, a copy of Ruby version, the card you needed if you could even find it. And the e-reader, which was like almost a hundred dollars, and a link cable, and like I don't think any of that is that unreasonable. Except the second Game Boy Advance is crazy. <laughs> like what? Like you what? You had to borrow your friend's Game Boy, or like my sister had a Game Boy Advance, so that was how I did it. Is like I would just be like, "Can I please borrow it? Like I just need to scan this card," and she'd be like, "I guess," you know, because obviously we were very young and. You know, you know, whatever. But I just think that's honestly, in my opinion, why it failed here in in in, in North America and and Europe. Just because that's a crazy to have two. If it had a cartridge slot, I actually think it would have been fine. So long. That was very long winded. But a ton of content in Battle Network four, five, and six were in e reader cards. And by the time these games came out in North America. Uh, the e-reader had been discontinued and they never released the e-reader cards in in our region. So there's a ton of different transformations and a ton of different items. And in the case of six, even extra side quests, you just couldn't access in the, in North America. So um, despite the fact that arguably four and five are some of the weaker entries in the series... Um, I've been replaying five just, and, and, oh, and in the Legacy Collection, all the e-reader cards are preloaded into the game. Every single one, all of them. And all of the 
Japanese exclusive event items, similar to how Pokemon does did in-person events. These games in Japan were super, super popular and they did in-person events where you got uh, extra items. So all the extra content that North America never got and that Japan had. And as a kid, I could only read about on the game FAQ forums of people, you know, discussing, oh, like, why is this area even in the game? It's so empty. And then somebody being like, well, in the Japanese version, if you swipe an e-reader card, actually this happened. And just like being mystified by all of that. It is something kind of like special for me to be able to now like experience that of in an official way. Cause you could obviously just probably always go online and emulate a Japanese version and like, you know, just do whatever. But um, it is nice to see it being officially available in, in English for the first time. And um, there's just a lot of stuff in the whole package that I really appreciate. And it was a big part of my childhood. I, I, as I mentioned, I think the only, the only Game Boy Advance games that probably meant more to me as a kid were probably Pokemon. Um, and yeah, it's just really cool that uh, after this got announced, it was cool to see the reception that there are a lot of people like me who really, really enjoyed these games. And probably like it's this and Pokemon that probably got me on the path of like really enjoying strategy games. And like these games are probably a big reason to what got me back into stuff like Yu-Gi-Oh! as I got older, because these were the games that I really enjoyed the most. Um, yeah, so highly recommend uh, checking that out, either if you have played them in the past and you want to experience all the new content that I mentioned, um, or if you've never played them, I would say $60 for what's essentially just ports of Game Boy Advance games that you may or may not even like, maybe a little bit steep, but... Uh, I would say once they get a price reduction, which I'm sure they will, because I believe all the other collections have at this point in a, in a couple months, uh, when it's discounted to probably like $40, I would say absolutely worth it. Like, I think it's absolutely worth it now. There's a ton of content, but you know, not, it's not for everybody. And you get six games. So I think, yeah. I think that, I think that's pretty fair, but yeah. so, uh, technically it's like 10 because they have different versions, but it's not actually 10. Like, sure. you know, it, it would, it would be like if they made a Pokemon collection and, and they were like Ruby, Sapphire, fire, you know, fire, red, leaf, green, four games. Like, no, it's not actually yeah. four. you know, like it's like, it's not actually four games. <laughs> yeah. But so, to, to kind of like, uh, to like, uh, wrap it up. If mm -hmm. people were to buy this, what game do you think people should start at if you don't think one is going to be like good enough to like capture their attention? Yeah, do you think okay. people should start with two or um, what do you think? My personal favorite of the series is three. That was actually the one I started with uh, when I was a kid. Battle Network three was the one I started with. I eventually went back and played two and then four wasn't out yet when I originally got my copy of three. And then from there, I played them as they came out. So I would say one is, it's cool, it's fun, it's good, but it has issues that I think might turn, like the quality of life issues in one, I think might actually turn people off of playing more of them. So my personal recommendation would be three. I think that is one that's widely regarded as like, the peak of the series. I mean, six is also very high, uh, highly regarded, but I would personally say three. And then four is the weakest game. However, I've been playing through it a little bit, despite it being the one I didn't like as a kid. 
the new content, well, not new content, the restored content makes it feel different enough, in my opinion, that I am actually getting some enjoyment out of it when it's the one that I was kind of like loathing that I would have to kind of slog through. Mm-hmm. Um, and then five, I think the restored content of five changes it the most significantly. And I already enjoyed five, but I, I'm having a great time replaying five with the extra stuff. And then six is probably what I think is like regarded as the best one if you want to play oh also there's a big like competitive pvp scene and one big thing of the of this collection is there's online so you can trade and you can battle online super super great um six is probably the one where the most of that will happen so my recommended order will be to get a the best introduction into the series i personally think three is the best one and has the most elements that are like it's like they refined the early ones enough that all the dumb stuff is gone and then it has the mechanics that are just only going to be expanded upon later and then i think 6 is the one that if you just enjoy the multiplayer aspect i would say 6 is probably the one that the most people are going to be playing so 6 is probably what i think you will eventually end up on 6 if you want to like make like a meta like competitive build and play the the multiplayer, I'd say six is the one to go with. So I'd say three and six are the two that I would I would play. If your main interest is, is single player, go with three. If your main interest is is is, is multiplayer, go with six. So do you think it's worth it to start with three and just go three, four, five, six? Or do you think they should skip the middle ones um, and just go from three to six? Four is not very good, I will say. I will say, honestly, four is... Pr- in my opinion, the worst one. Um, I would say, I would say, um, I'm actually going to amend. I'd say start with three, no, no matter what. Um, I, I would say complete the main story of three as your first action, I guess, no matter what. I think you'll get very, and then if you like it, do do the post game. Three actually has some of the best and most highly re- regarded post game of like any RPG from this era. Like it's really good. And then if you really, really enjoy it and you just want to dig into like the meat of the series and like really play like competitive stuff, I would say jump to six. Um, or if you like the story, I, I would honestly, I just think four is not very good. I would just skip four and just go three, five, six. And four is really in- inconsequential. I mean, like maybe look up like, like a plot synopsis of four <laughs> just so you know what the story is in five. But yeah, that's that's where I would go. And then two is also very good. Like, you could start with two instead of three. I would definitely say skip one though. One is a little a little slow and not that good. But yeah, that's my high recommendations. I'd say in in order of quality, I would say three, then six, and then five and two kind of flip flop in towards the middle, and then four and one are definitely far and away the worst ones. But if you really, really, really like it, you know, obviously I'm not going to tell you how to enjoy your your game like if you like four go ahead and play four but i do not okay sounds good <laughs> yeah but lots of stuff there really recommend it um and well this was longer than i thought it would be but i enjoy this stuff a lot so yeah um that's my piece on Mega Man battle network legacy collection um 
you know, <laughs> if you're if you've ever played these games and you stuck with me talking about it, please, you know, <laughs> let me know what you think. And if you've played the collection, by all means, let me know what you think about it. Um, I haven't gotten far enough. I haven't had enough time to get far enough any of them to play online yet. But I would love to play people online if you know if they're if they're interested. Like eventually, I'll have all that set up probably in a couple of weeks. I'll have enough stuff going on in three and six that I'll hopefully be able to play online. But yeah, so that about covers it for me. Um, I don't know, Bowden, we both, so Jeff talked about Suzume, I talked about Power Network. Do you have any crazy thing to talk about? Or are you good? <laughs> are you, are you, are you signing out here? We, 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 I, we, Bowden sleepy. Yeah, probably. No, I, I, um, I watched, um, the new season of Dave came out. That's pretty funny. I don't know if people <laughs> like that. It's not anime related. So it's I watched, pretty. I did watch the first season of Dave and I thought it was pretty funny, but I never watched any of the other ones. Uh, it, like, the third one is, like, okay, there's a lot of, like, uh, self-discovery and stuff like that. It's, it's interesting. It's deep, but, like, it tries to be funny, and then it's just deep, and, like, it, it, it reminds me of Curb Your Enthusiasm in terms of, like, how awkward it can be sometimes, and, like, self-aware. So it's, it's, it's pretty interesting. If you like that sort of humor, it's good, without any context of, like, who Dave is, or, like, any of the other people in it like one of the episodes just like has them going to rick ross's house you know it's just like weird stuff like that that maybe you can uh you can appreciate depending on like how, how you like the culture and you know like rap culture and stuff like that right but yeah that's that's all i've really done i don't know nothing else i play Yu-Gi-Oh and i, I do this I know <laughs> yeah. <what> I'm <laughs> for sure all right mm. well oh, uh yeah. Thank you all for sticking with us, or not, I guess, or you know, <laughs> maybe. Um, well, so maybe they just listened us. to this pod, like <laughs> yeah, yeah, literally. Maybe they just maybe they just searched. Maybe I put a Mega Man tag in the in the description, and they and they searched Battle Network Legacy Collection and listened to me talk about it for twenty five minutes. Yeah, and nothing else. That's true. Um, I guess any closing thoughts before we wrap it up? No. Nope. Uh, I'm excited to see, like, what is happening. Like, I think Yu-Gi-Oh! is on that... I say this every time, though. Everything's really exciting until it actually comes out, and then there's, like, a week or two of excitement, and then just all downhill from there. <laughs> so I'm yeah. excited to see how everything pans out. I'm excited for the first the week of new stuff. Everything, and then, like, maybe it'll be crazy. Who knows? Yeah, yeah for sure. All right, so if you're still sticking with us, thank you. Um, do you have any comments about how we structured this this you know this week any any uh improvements we could make i will say we don't we get few enough comments that i still read all of them and take all of them into account so literally if you just want something to be done differently and you say it and it takes zero effort for us to employ or very little effort uh we'll i'll just do it like literally i'm gonna have timestamps in in this one because somebody commented it last week and i thought that's probably easy enough to do like I can probably apply 1% effort and, and get that done. So, so literally if you think something needs to be improved and it's not, you know, like, and, and it's not like a Herculean labor, I'll probably just do it. So by all means, we like the feedback and uh, it helps us improve this uh, for the future. But yeah, so that's all I got. Um, I don't really have any idea of what we're going to talk about next week, so I don't know if you have any anything. Maybe we talk about uh, Sayak in a little bit more depth. Maybe? Probably. That's It's coming out soon, so we probably should do that. Yeah, so that's probably going to be on the docket for next week, um, and then beyond that, I'm really not sure. But yeah, uh, thank you all for listening. 
Um, a lot of fun do doing this one. And I think the a bit more structure worked out pretty well. So by all means, get those viewer questions in or any topics you'd like us to go over. And hopefully we'll be able to incorporate some of that into the next one. So thank you all for listening. And we will see you next time. Peace. I got to go do my laundry. Bye.